0: Well, greetings, this beautiful Sunday morning. Good to see each of you today. Next Sunday's Mother's Day, May the 12th. So if you, if you mothers, if uh, your children say, what do you want for Mother's Day? Just tell them, hey, go to church with me. Worship God with me. Uh, I think that would be a good Mother's Day gift for people, for your children to give to you. And we'll have a great time. Well, if you have your Bibles, be finding Lamentations. Talk about a great time. (laughs) Lamentations and chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21 through 23. This is from the English standard version. Lamentations 321, Jeremiah is writing. He says, This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. How great is your faithfulness. I just finished reading a few weeks ago uh, Jeremiah and Lamentations. They kind of go together. uh, And honestly... It's kind of a downer. <laughs> I don't know if you ever read Jeremiah and Lamentations. But Jeremiah, the book, has about 52 chapters. Almost all of it is judgment on Israel for her idolatries. And then after he's pronouncing judgment on Israel through those 52 chapters, as well as other nations... Jeremiah then concludes with five chapters of lament, lamentations, statements of despair. (laughs) That's why I say it's kind of a downer. You can't hardly blame Jeremiah for being uh, depressed because he's preaching to Israel around 600 B.C., this is just before they are captured by the Babylonians and temple is destroyed in the Old Testament and the people are enslaved. They are marched off to modern-day Iran or Babylon in the ancient world. And so, obviously, Jeremiah is full of despair. And he says in, in Jeremiah 12.1, he says, that even his family his brothers in the house of his father dealt treacherously with him they they kicked him out and in jeremiah 7:16 god said jeremiah do not pray for this people don't lift up a cry for them do not intercede i will not hear your prayers so that's that's got to be a pretty big negative When God says, I'm sending you to a people to preach to them, but don't pray for them because I'm not going to listen to you. In Jeremiah 9, 1, Jeremiah says, I wish my head was a fountain of water so I could just cry all the time. That's what you call depressed. And as if, Couldn't get any worse. Jeremiah 16, verses 1 to 4. God said, Jeremiah, I don't want you to get married. I don't want you to have children. Because the famine and pestilence is going to be so bad in Jerusalem that all the children the family is going to die. I don't want you to go through that. People won't have strength to even bury the dead, so they'll just be food for the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. Well, there you go. And after you get done reading Jeremiah, then comes Lamentations. Jerusalem is now in ruins. The temple is torn down. The people are deported, enslaved. If you could go back there, if you could sort of sit down with Jeremiah... You might hear a faint sound of women weeping in a house. A few poor women left behind. You you might hear the sound of a baby crying. You could see the pile of corpses which lay piled up at the end of the street. So in Lamentations 1, verse 12, Jeremiah said, Is there any sorrow like my sorrow? I don't, I don't know of anything that could be this bad. In Lamentations 2, 5, The Lord has become an enemy. He's swallowed up Israel. He's laid it in ruins its strongest places. He made Zion forget her festivals and Sabbaths. And his indignation has spurned both king and priest. And what is worse, Lamentations 2, 9, he says, and the law is no more. It's just disappeared. There's no prophets. There's no priests. It's hard to imagine such a thing. It'd be like us saying the Bible is no more. It's hard for us to imagine he sums up his condition in Lamentations 3, 17. I think we have that, don't we? Lamentations 3, 17. He, Jeremiah says, My soul is bereft of peace. I have no peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. My endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. He's lost his hope. He has no peace. He can't remember what it was like to be happy. His ability to endure is gone. He's saying, my endurance has perished. I can't go on. And not even God can give me hope. Well, well uh, somebody told me one time, he said, preachers tend to preach their experiences If you were listening to Jeremiah, you might think, I wonder if you can get Joel Osteen over here in Jerusalem. I might skip the channel. You have to go through almost uh, 52 chapters of this kind of prophecy plus lamentations. And suddenly, and I was reading through this, I almost missed it. Suddenly, there's this ray of light. And it's my text, Lamentations 3, verse 21. This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Boy, there's a new thought. This I call to mind, therefore I have hope. Well, what, I asked myself, what is this? Verse 22. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. The hesed, that's the Hebrew word hesed, H-E-S-E-D. The hesed of the Lord. Never stops. His mercies are new every morning. Oh, how great is His faithfulness. What is He saying here? What has He seen? The Living Bible puts it like this. Although I can never forget the awful years, yet there is one ray of hope. Hesed. It takes two words in English to translate it. Steadfast love or faithful love, one translation has. And then it has synonyms. Um, His mercies, the synonym that is an amplifying word and an enhancing, expanding word is his his steadfast love never ceases. His mercies, see that's your synonym. His mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So steadfast love, mercies, faithfulness. Those are all synonyms that are used here. So I was looking at this, and suddenly it occurred to me, this is is how Jeremiah found hope. He pondered this. What is this thing that he put his mind on? What is hesed? You have to go back, Jeremiah's in 600 B.C. David lived in 900 B.C., about 300 years earlier. You have to go back to the time of King David. David has captured jerusalem david is a man after god's own heart david wants to build this wonderful temple and god says to david he comes to david and says no i don't want you to build a temple but he says i i do appreciate you wanting to but he says here's what i want you to know and you have what's called the davidic covenant in second samuel seven twelve. here's what god says to david David, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who will come from your own body. I will establish his kingdom. He will build a house for my name and I will establish his throne forever. I will be to him a father. He will be to me a son. In other words, God's going to adopt him as his own. If he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men. But my... This is 2 Samuel seven fifteen, My steadfast love, my hesed, will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. Your house and your kingdom will be made sure forever. God says to David... You, this, this use of hesed. It's a it's a Davidic promise. It belongs to the covenant with David. And God says, David, I don't want you to build me a temple. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to adopt you and your household as my family. My own children. I am never going to abandon them. If they sin, did you you notice that? I will discipline them with the rod. I'll spank them. But, he says, my chesed, steadfast love, will not depart like I took it from Saul. That's Hesed. That's suddenly what Jeremiah pondered. I am going to adopt your son as my son. I'm going to see that your kingdom is permanent. There will always be a descendant of yours ruling over God's kingdom. I am never going to rescind or cancel this promise. Even when they sin. I will not do you like I did Saul. Remember Saul, the first king, just before David was king? It says in 1 Samuel 16, 14, the spirit of the Lord... Saul was kind of a mean king. And it says the spirit of the Lord left Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. In other words, God left him and turned him over to demons. So Saul couldn't get his prayers answered. Saul had no guidance, no protection. So the day before he's to fight the Philistines, he prays to God. It says in 1 Samuel 16, 14, the spirit of the Lord left Saul, an evil spirit came. And in 1 Samuel 28, 6, he says, I prayed to God, but God didn't answer by dreams or priests or prophets. So what did Saul then do? He went to a witch. He had to have guidance beyond himself. He couldn't get it from God, so he went to a witch. The next day he went into battle and was killed along with his family. Now God says to David, David, you know that story. I'm never going to do to you what I did to Saul. Leave him. And I, I wondered, did God not know what David was going to do in his future, the sins he would commit? Remember, he committed adultery and murder of Uriah. And yet you'll find that God stayed with David, helped David in the battles that followed, and continued to help him right through. In fact, David's line did continue in the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of David, as well as the Son of God. That's Hesed. That's what Jeremiah began to think on. That God promised to make you his own, to bless you in the kingdom, and never leave you. You know, and I just jotted this down we are saved not by us keeping our promises to god but by god keeping his promises to us can i get an amen on that that's a that's different from the law of moses we are saved by God's great faithfulness and mercies, synonyms, not by our faithfulness to God. Now, this is not to say we shouldn't be faithful. This is not to say we shouldn't seek to be worthy. But you don't get to heaven by being worthy and by being faithful. You get to heaven. Because God has given you hesed, He's given you unconditional love that He has promised will never leave. He has given you mercies, that which you don't deserve. He has given you great faithfulness. That's what's going to get you to heaven. 2 Timothy 2:13 says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. That is, he can't be something he's not. He's faithful. If he makes a promise, he'll keep the promise. I was listening to um, a preacher a few weeks ago on Sunday morning. I was getting ready and I had the TV on listening to... It's my only chance to listen to some good preaching, okay? (laughs) Hey, hey... I could listen to myself, but I don't. The sermon that Sunday was on this subject Can a person who is saved ever be lost? I thought, okay, that's interesting. I'd like to, and I've read the books on both sides, so, you know, I, I know the debate and the verses that are used. And, and they offered a free book on the topic. So I said, I'll take that. And I called them up. Send me the book. Can a person who is saved ever be lost? So they did. Here it is. <laughs> and I almost didn't see it in the mailbox. And when I opened it, and when I saw it, I thought, okay, now I know why it's free. (laughs) It didn't cost much to make this. So I read this uh, little exhaustive uh, volume. And one thing that I do love is the statement he makes in the beginning. And I want to read this to you. This is... This, I put a circle around. He says, The fantastic implications of this issue is overwhelming. If there is unconditional security for believers, these are his words, then it has to be the most wonderful doctrine in existence. That's what he said. Now, then he goes on to argue that, sorry, (laughs) not so. But, you know, if it was so, how wonderful that would be. And he quotes John chapter 10. He says, this is the most commonly used verse for unconditional security. John 10, 28. Can you pull that? Yes. We'll wait till the orchestra stops. <laughs> John 10:28. Here's what he says. I give them eternal life. They will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who gave them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. The key verb there is perish. It means to perish your soul eternally. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. So here's what he says. It is true, this does seem to give us security. But he says, and no one can pluck them out of God's hand, but you can jump out. Okay, but here is something I think you all should know about this verse. You know, even in English, there's what we call the active voice. If I I say uh, the verb shoot, I shoot you. That's the active voice. I'm the acting party. If it's a passive voice, it's I am shot by you. That's passive voice. Verbs have voice. But there's a third voice in the verb perish that is used here. That doesn't come across in English because the translators don't want... You have to add words and they don't like to add words. But the, the middle voice is, I shoot myself. Active is when I'm the party that's acting to someone else. Passive is when I am being done, I am being shot by someone else. But middle is reflective it's I do it to myself. Now, I'm not doing it to someone. Someone's not doing it to me. I'm doing it to myself. That's the middle voice. That's the voice used in the word perish. And, and so if you amplified it and expanded it, you would say, I give them eternal life and they will never Perish themselves or cause even themselves to perish. In other words, they won't jump out. You're in God's hand who is greater than all. God, who is greater than all, and that's what He says here, is also greater than you. Because really, you're your own worst enemy. But his grace is greater than our sin. His wisdom is greater than our stupidity. Can he, does he only rescue those who snuggle next to God every day of their life? Or does he, like you, also reach down and hold with, with solid grasp the hand of the child who wants to wander off, but you won't let it? And even resort on occasion to a little spanking to get their attention? This is the way God is. No one can pluck them out, Jesus said. And He uses the middle voice, which means you won't cause yourself to perish, Because God is greater than all. So, when Jeremiah goes through this period of his life, which is chapter after chapter of despair, he comes to this wonderful thought. This I call to mind, therefore I have hope. The hesed of the Lord, that which God gave to David, that covenant and promise that God gave to David, not from Moses, not like Saul, but to David, the Davidic covenant, that hesed. I call that to mind. Mercies, unconditional, undeserved events that God orchestrates in my daily life starting early in the mornings. You're here today because of it. He moved your will. He inclined your affections to be here. He put thoughts in your mind. This is from your Heavenly Father who is greater than all. So, three quick things to remember. Hesed. It is undeserved. The synonym he uses here is his mercies never come to him. Steadfast love, the Hesed of the Lord never ceases. His mercies. That means this is undeserved. Another thing is that it comes to you every day, every morning. Every day of the year, every morning of the year. Keeping you, watching over you. Remember the sheep in Luke 15? The shepherd had 100 sheep, one of them strayed off. But the shepherd didn't say, I think 99 is a good percentage. I'll go with that. No, he said, I got one out. So he left the 99 with a keeper. And he went out, and it says in Luke 15:5, he sought until he found it. <laughs> Amen. And then what did he do? The sheep is too weak to get back. Follow me. I... It's been out wandering. It's incapable of return. So what does the shepherd do? He picks it up, 75-pound sheep, and puts it on his shoulders and unilaterally sees to it that that sheep is returned to the fold. So when you get to heaven, my friend, you will look unto Jesus and you will praise Him because Salvation was all of Him. You will glorify God totally and fully. And then one one more thing. Is that this is free to those who want it. I have a little uh, program on my computer that will take a, a word like hesed in Hebrew or a Greek word it'll show you everywhere that word is used in the bible so i i, I trace down hesed and let me show you turn to isaiah chapter 55 isaiah if you're in jeremiah or uh, lamentations just back up and you'll see jeremiah and then just back up one more and you'll see isaiah this verse is worth marking in your Bible. Isaiah 55, 1. Come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Even if you have no money, come buy and eat. Get wine and milk without money, without price. It's free. What he's offering is free. What's he offering? Get this. Verse Isaiah 55, verse 3. Incline your ear. Come to me. Here, that your soul may live, I'll make with you an everlasting covenant. This is a new covenant. This is permanent. My, it'll be my steadfast love, Hesed. It's my Hesed that I gave to David. Mm, 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 mm. No way. You mean what God promised David that him and his family would be adopted as God's own and that he would never abandon them, that this would be a covenant with him that would be permanent? And there's nothing the devil can do. There's nothing that circumstances can do. There's nothing death can do. Nothing, anything can do to take you out of my hand. I will make a covenant with you. How do I get that? Do you want it? I thirst for that. There, my friend, there is stability. That's security. Here is, I don't know what, kindling. When a man wants God in the New Testament through Jesus Christ, you come, he will make a brand new covenant not like the old covenant, which God could rescind and did. This one's everlasting. It's like the one he made with David. So when it's all said and done, the smoke clears and the dust settles, and they lower your body in the ground, there will come a day when God in his infallible promise will raise you up from the dead and take you to heaven. And I say, (coughs) hey, what was that? The implications of this issue is overwhelming. If there is such a thing as unconditional security for all believers, it has to be the most wonderful doctrine in existence. It just makes me shouting happy to know that God has embraced me and adopted me and will never do otherwise. And I've had a few failures. I'm old enough to have a few sins. I never felt that God left me. I never felt, even at my worst, I always felt like and believed that he heard my prayers. And he would say, I'm here. I'm here. When it comes time to die, nobody's going to be there to help you walk you across that Jordan. But you'll hear him say, I'm here. I'm here. Whatever you go through, he's there. Well, thank God Jeremiah got a revelation and shared it with us. Somebody said, when a Christian is discouraged, they need two things. One, they need doctrine. Doctrine. And two, they need money. Money. That's <laughs> not in the Bible. You understand. And I thought, okay. Today, I give to you doctrine. And the person sitting beside you is going to give you the money. So we're, it's great to be a church today. Turn and say, uh, his mercies are new every morning. <laughs> I'm kidding on that. I mean, if you want to give somebody money, that's fine with me. It would be encouraging. But the main thing is doctrine. Amen. Let's pray. Ushers, if you'll come, let's worship with our gifts to God today. Heavenly Father, I thank you with all my heart for your steadfast love, for your mercies, abundant mercies, and for your great faithfulness. I magnify your name and your grace today through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's praise the Lord for the truth that we heard today. Y'all sing with us.